We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Get the Charge podcast. My name is Steven, and I'm your host, as always. And continuing our Get to Know series today, I'm joined by Chris Trevino, who covers the USC Trojans for the Peristyle and 247 Sports. Uh, best in the business. If you guys are USC fans, go check them out. Chris, uh, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Steven. Thanks for having me on here. I didn't expect that intro video to go so hard, though. <laughs> You know, we uh, we paid somebody on Fiverr to do it, and they they did a great job. So uh, can't complain there. You got your money's worth for sure. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate that, and appreciate you uh, jumping on tonight. So uh, Chris is going to help us kind of dive into uh, Tuli Tuli Peloto's background here a little bit. Um, obviously, Tuli uh, spent three years at USC, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fun stories here. Before we get to uh, Tuli and his story a little bit, Chris. I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts. You see, had some uh, a bunch of players drafted this year. Did you have a favorite landing spot of any of the uh, Trojans from last week? Ooh, a favorite landing spot. Well, I think the obvious choice is with the two, the wide receiver and the cornerback, uh, Jordan Addison and Makai Blackman, both getting to continue on as teammates with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I do like that. Always love to see two guys go to the NFL together and. Makai Blackman was the guy who lined up every day against Jordan Addison. So, you know, Addison was telling that war room, you have to go get this guy. He's a dog. Uh, I think he's a steal, and he really helped his draft stock. But also, low-key, Andrew Voorhees getting drafted by my hometown, Baltimore Ravens, out there in uh, Maryland. I think that's a great pickup. Obviously, that injuring that ACL during the draft process was very, very tough. But he is a fighter, and they're getting a steal and a, and a great player in Andrew Voorhees who's going to pay off down the line. Yeah, I'm up here in uh, Fresno, so there was a lot of uh, sadness when Andrew tore his uh, ACL at the combine. I think meniscus as well, but uh, typical Ravens, man. You know, taking a chance on an injured guy. I'm sure they'll get big returns on him, so uh, wish him nothing but the best. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get started here with uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu's background story. 
Um, obviously from Lawndale. Uh, so we want to go back here and talk about his recruiting. Was it, was it always kind of a no-brainer that USC was going to be his choice? Or was there a late push that maybe concerned USC fans with his recruitment? Yeah, to understand Tuli Tupelotu's like recruitment, you also have to understand the context of his older brother, Marlon, who was a very high profile recruit in his own right when he was coming out of high school. And they were actually coming out of Oregon. So Marlon and them, the family was up there in Oregon. and He was actually committed to play at Washington, Marlon was. And then USC pulled a really late flip, kind of in the middle of the night, stole away Marlon Tuipelotu, and he committed to USC, and the family moved down here. And that's why Tuli was down here up in Lawndale. So if Marlon had stuck with Washington, chances are Tuli was going to play for the Huskies as well. And I'm sure Washington fans are still not happy about Marlon Tuipelotu going to USC. That was a big controversial recruitment going on there. But Marlon signed with USC, you know, the number one defensive tackle in his class, five-star guy. So all the hype was around Marlon. And to be fair, Tuli was, you know, a four-star prospect in our rankings. and But he wasn't considered – you know, a highly touted prospect. He was always Marlon's little brother. You know, when you have a five-star older brother and Tuli was just, you know, the younger brother. And, you know, I, I remember the first time I went out to see him when he was at Lawndale, you know, they had won a state championship in his junior year. And I went out to see him and I was just blown away by how like big he was and how like a man amongst boys he was up at Lawndale. And I, they were out there for a homecoming game. And uh, they were playing against, like, Beverly Hills High School, which was a very bad high school. So uh, Thule was just bullying people, and he was pulled by the the first – after the first half because they were just beating up on them so bad. But, yeah, Thule was always going to go to USC. And I think that's why he didn't get a lot of high-profile offers out of high school. You know, he had Nebraska. I think he had Tennessee. But for the most part, he had just, like, maybe 11 offers or something like that. But mm-hmm. obviously what he turned into now – you're thinking like this guy should have had like 30 plus offers. Every every conference in the country should have been after SEC, uh, Big Ten. He should have had all those offers based on what he did in college. But I think a lot of the college coaches were like, yeah, he's just gonna go play with his brother Marlon. So there's like no there's no reason to like waste our time recruiting him. I remember talking to him and he was like, yeah, I'm really I'm really open to the process. It sounded like he really wanted to be open to the process, but everyone knew he was gonna end up at USC you know, the Polynesian culture, you know, staying close to family and all that. And, you know, he did want to play with his older brother once again. So, yeah, it just made sense. And I think everyone knew that he was going to go there. So everyone didn't try to recruit him. But, yeah, USC was very lucky that it ended up being a situation where they could not put that much effort in recruiting Thule and still get him for that 2020 class. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing of, like, playing with your brother, they only did it for the one season, though, right? Yeah, it was just the one season they were together. Um, so Tuli would have been, was he a freshman when they moved to California, or was he even younger than that? I believe he was younger than that. I believe he moved when he was about a sophomore or going into his junior year, because he played at Lawndale his junior year, won the state championship, and then he played his senior year. So he spent only like two years playing high school there. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um so with Thule also, like, I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously the, the NIL stuff, the transfer portal, it's a huge deal now, right? I mean, obviously you guys benefited from that and with getting Jordan Addison and Clay Williams and 
and Mario Williams and all these guys, right? How did USC go about keeping him, or was it kind of the same thing? He was just never going to leave because I feel like he, if he had entered the portal after two great seasons, like he would have had a lot of bigger offers, maybe potentially. Uh, so, was there ever a consideration for him to transfer, or was that just kind of he, he's sticking around no matter what? Yeah, I think it was more a sense that he was sticking around no matter what. I never heard anything about like because you hear whispers, you know, especially in this day and age, you'll hear like, right. "Hey, so and so, I think." You know, they're looking at a transfer. Oh, I'm hearing, you know, this person's not happy with the playing time or they want to look for better opportunities. Never heard that about, you know, Thule. And Thule also came up in a just slightly before, like, the portal craze really started to get going. So would that have been the case a little bit further down the line if you had been, like, around more portal hecticness? Maybe. But for the most part, I don't think he ever would have left because that's just not Thule's personality. He's very low-key doesn't want to be kind of in the center of attention. You know, he's he's very laid back, and it doesn't really fit a guy who wants to seek that attention and go out and put themselves out there. You know, he was a Trojan from the beginning, and he was going to end it as a Trojan, and he was going to stick to it no matter what, and that's what he, that's what he did. Yeah, well, I'm sure his family is uh, happy they don't have to move again. Uh, you're getting to stick with the Chargers, obviously. I don't know if you saw, but – um, you know, the, the Chargers did like their first video with Thule, you know, you talking about his low key personality. Thule wasn't even watching the draft. He was just like hanging out and like having a good time with his family and then got the call and then they turned on the draft so they could see the announcement there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked whatsoever. Not whatsoever. <laughs> that is Thule to a T, you know, just be in the background. Obviously, one of the most talented players on that roster, but does not act like a superstar or anything. Just very... That's very him, and I will say, Thule's credit, I did want to mention that when Thule first got to USC, he was, like, not shy, but, like, he was very much in his shell, didn't really, you know, give much in interviews, but, like, by the end of his time at USC, you know, he was voted a team captain. His transformation and his, like, media savviness was just 180. He was just so well-spoken and comfortable in front of the media because he would get a lot of media around him. You know, he would command a big scrum because, you know, he was a star defender. And, you know, he really grew as a talker and a leader. And I just wanted to give him some credit for that because he has had one of the biggest, like, media turnarounds I've ever seen in terms of, and not just necessarily a turnaround. He was just, you know, a young kid. He's not used to all the attention and you have to grow and learn in that. So, I do want to commend him for that and the, the work USC did and their media people because he became a really good speaker at the end and really comfortable in front of the camera. Well, and his background too, right? Like, you know, you mentioned him kind of living in Marlon's shadow a little bit growing up. Like, you know, there's he's probably was uh, just kind of not used to like being the guy that people wanted to talk to all the time. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of brings me to his freshman season because when he first got on campus, you know, he wasn't a spring enrollee he would didn't wasn't a mid-year enrollee he came in the summer and a little more context on that class that class was really really bad for usc it was like ranked 70 in the country all the fans were like so mad at clay helton the former coach because that's not a usc recruiting class you know you think usc recruiting you think like top 10 top five or whatever so this class was terrible and they weren't really excited about it and Tuli was kind of like an afterthought Uh, coming in the summer and I remember initially everyone was like okay that's not Tuli Tupelo that's Marlon's little brother (laughs) but slowly but surely 
other players began to take notice, like, okay, this isn't Marlon's little brother. This is like Tuli Tupelotu. He's becoming his own person. And you, you saw glimpses of that when he got there in the summer and, and summer workouts and stuff and fall camp. And it became clear he was going to play as a true freshman. But, like, by the end of that season, that 2020 season, it was, yeah, he's not Marlon's little brother. He is Tuli Tupelotu, his own person. Yeah, I remember him uh, well. Uh, he ended Utah's 2020 season before it even uh, began after he tackled Cam Rising. Uh, that was that was not a fun night, but, uh, you know, it's all good with uh, Thule. Um Obviously, this past season, I want to dive into a little bit of kind of on-the-field stuff. Like, it's such an interesting profile to me because you watch, you know, the USC tape against Stanford, and Thule is lining up as a nose guard. He's lining up as a two-tech, a three-tech. And then you watch him against Washington State, and, he, and he's getting four sacks as a pure edge rusher, standing up from a two-point stance. Was that something that kind of – that kind of tweener, you know, hybrid role, was that something that evolved because of Alex Grinch's scheme? Was it a, a role that they specifically designed for Thule? Or how has that kind of come about for, for his play on the field? Yeah, Grinch's scheme is – likes to get creative, likes to create those confusing packages and throw – different stuff at a quarterback to confuse them and all the sorts of things. And I'm necessarily, it was I I don't think it was necessarily made for Thule, but just having someone as versatile as Thule, you know, Alex French was like, this is a guy I have to use in a multitude of ways. And, you know, if you look at that defense last year, they really struggled by the end of the year. It was not a great defense, but Thule was obviously one of those bright spots leading the nation in sacks. So, they just tried to get the most they could out of Thule, whether that was kicking him into nose tackle, making him a three-tech, rushing him off the edge of the stand-up, putting his hand in the ground, dropping him back into coverage like a linebacker. They just mm. tried to do so much with him because they didn't have a ton of talent on that defense, and a lot of people that could consistently get to the quarterback like him or impact the game like him. So they were kind of just forced to use him in a multitude of ways and – figure out, throw the kitchen sink at offenses and try to, this is our guy and we're going to do what we can to move him around and, you know, give us the best chance to win. Even though the best chance for them to win was truly getting to the quarterback consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you read a lot of his draft profiles, right? And like some people might have him as a, as a defensive lineman, like interior rusher. Other guys are like, no, he's an edge rusher. Um, what would you say is his best role in the NFL? Do you think he can like be a, a true like stand-up outside linebacker? Or do you think he needs to be able to kind of rotate inside from time to time? It's it's interesting because obviously the Pac-12 and the NFL are two very different things, and Thule would you know bully people at times when they would kick him into inside. He obviously would need to add more weight to be able to move him back and forth between inside. And I, I think he is a pure edge rusher for the most part. I think that's where his strong suit is. Can he do, uh, you know, kind of an offensive line, outside linebacker role, excuse me? Yeah, I think he could. You know, I think his athleticism is a little bit underrated. I know he doesn't have, like, elite, elite athleticism. But for the most part, I think he's a really good athlete. So I could see him doing that. But, again, I just think you need to let him go after the quarterback, whatever that may be, in the, you know, in the Chargers scheme. You know, get him in positions where he is getting after that backfield because he makes plays in the backfield. He, he's consistent in bringing down the quarterback and getting to the running back, you know, 22 and a half tackles for a loss. He just kept getting better and better and better at it. So I wouldn't try to get too gimmicky and maybe, make, you know, make him a, a coverage guy or anything like that. Like, because I know the fans really hated when uh, Alex Trinch would drop him into coverage. 
Do what yeah. Julie does best, and that's get to the quarterback. So for me, it's you got to make him an edge rusher. You got to put his hand on the ground, maybe stand him up, whatever that may be. Yeah, I would kick him inside at times because he has that versatility. He would need to add a little bit more weight to handle, you know, interior NFL offensive linemen. But for the most part, number one's got to be just Tuli, go get the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, all right, Chris, last question here. I was like asking this. Uh, did you have any maybe fun uh, stories from Tuli, whether it be kind of a, a one-liner he dropped or something like that? Any kind of highlight from your uh, media scrums with Tuli? I, I don't think there's anything like one-liner that sticks out, but Tuli was always like, super not super he was very surprised that we wanted to talk to him because mm. he would get because uh, he would get picked for how usc media works you put like people's name down who you want to talk to at the end and Tuli was obviously consistently among those people so i would always remember he would he wouldn't love to get picked all the time you know sometimes you just had a long practice but he was a team captain so his obligation was to you know be a guy who stands up from the media and, and, and talks but I remember times where he would be, uh, you know, he'd get picked way to the side, be leaning against the thing, and then, like, 15 people would come up, and he's like, are these all for me? Are these all for me? Yeah, he people would like to talk to him, and then he'd always, you know, like I said, he grew as a, as a guy talking in front of the media, but he also liked to get out of there real quick. When everyone was done, he was like, okay, that's it? Okay, bye. And then he would rush <laughs> off and get his uh, post-game smoothie or whatever, but... He had a fun personality, you know. I, I like to see his personality come out more as he as he grew. You know, like I said, he was kind of reserved, didn't really show a lot, but by the end, he would crack the little jokes and show up. She has a great smile. He would show that off, and you know, he messed with teammates while they were doing uh, interviews and stuff. So definitely saw his personality come out at the at the end of his career as he uh, you know got more comfortable. Well, he'll fit right in with Justin Herbert then because Justin Herbert loves the duck out of media sessions and I'm sure he would be happy with never doing them if he could. So, um, Chris, this has been awesome, man. Can't, th can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us tonight. Uh, Chargers fans, make sure and follow Chris on Twitter if you're a USC fan or know a USC fan. Uh, send them his way at Chris N. Trevino on Twitter and the uh, Perry Style uh, website that covers the Trojans for 247 Sports. Chris, th thanks so much, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Stephen. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.